0: Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 2052 today it's another Clone Wars briefing this time we're talking about The Disappeared Part 1 and this is season 6 episode 8 of The Clone Wars. Punch it! <laughs> Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode where we are going to talk about The Disappeared Part 1. This is a rather shocking episode for a couple of reasons, but also a fascinating one too. And it's really awesome because it involves the return of Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks. He is returning to voice the role that he played in the prequel movies. And it involves an odd request from Bardada, a planet that we haven't heard of. It is neutral in the Clone Wars. And they are having some serious difficulties. This is, by the way, a full spoiler briefing, as the (laughs) most recent episodes of the show have been. So, there you go. There's your warning. So the spiritual leaders are disappearing. And so Queen Julia requests the aid of one very particular person. Palpatine was going to send Senator Amidala and Senator Organa. And instead, she wants Representative Jar Jar Binks to go, which is like, huh? And the Jedi Council is having a bit of a debate over this. At the behest of Chancellor Palpatine, because everybody thinks that this is a bad idea to send Jar Jar by himself to this place. But it's a little bit touchy for the Jedi because the Bardotans think that the Jedi are kidnappers. The whole business about the Jedi inducting force sensitive children into their order, the Bardotans think that the Jedi are actually kidnapping them. And so they don't have good relations with the Bardotans. And I find that fascinating because there's obviously another similar kind of situation where the First Order is kidnapping children and inducting them into the First Order, but kind of a different scenario, obviously, and yet it's an interesting mirror, comparatively speaking. But they ultimately agree that somebody should go with Jar Jar and Mace Windu volunteers to be the one to do it, which doesn't make the Bardotans happy, and they, of course, immediately demand Mace Windu surrender his lightsaber upon arrival, Jar Jar has to actually say no, Mace Windu is my humble servant and he's here to help me. Queen Julia says okay that's fine but I want to talk to Jar Jar alone, everybody get out of here. And then she walks up to him and says, it's been a long time. Come and meditate with me, my love, and kisses him on the lips. And they do that classic thing where Jar Jar's leg goes up, you know, (laughs) taken with the kiss. So holy cow, this is a romantic situation for Jar Jar Banks. And it's so romantic that later on Mace Windu is getting frustrated because he hasn't had any connection with Jar Jar since that initial introduction to queen julia and when he finally gets a hold of jar jar he says where were you last night so he's gone a day and a night and hasn't seen jar jar so jar jar and queen julia are really an item so yeah wow this is hot stuff unfortunately mace windu's timing was really bad because queen julia was about to tell jar jar finally what's really going on or seemingly what's really going on. She had meditated upon the state of the spiritual leaders disappearing and found a terrible secret buried within the ripples of the force, but by the time Jar Jar is able to get back to where she is, lo and behold, Queen Julia has disappeared as well, just like the other spiritual leaders. And the ancient prophecy on Bardotta that seems to be coming true is that, or at least the next step, is that if the queen is gone for three rotations, then a darkness will arise and engulf the galaxy, which obviously doesn't sound very good. But Jar Jar says, me and Misa humble servant Master and Mace will find the queen and set everything right. Too much cheers and applause and <laughs> And, oh man, it's fun to hear Jar Jar talk so confidently, and then of course, when they explain what could really be happening, he goes, oh, this is Bombad Trouble, which it probably is. And so here's where things get really interesting. The Dagoyan Masters are the ones on Bardada who are particularly Force-sensitive, but According to Yoda it's more about intuition and knowledge and the harmonies of the universe and they are not warriors. However, there was a clan on Bardada that was or were warriors and they are called the Frangal cult. They worshipped an ancient demon called Marhu excuse me, Malmural and They haven't been around for a while, but the fear is that they are active again and that they're involved in these disappearances somehow. What's more is the Dagoian Temple that they're in is built upon the ruins of a shrine to Malmoral. And that I found particularly interesting because it's very similar to what the Jedi situation is, right? Jedi temples are built upon Sith temples, so... Yeah, it was kind of an interesting parallel, all things considered. And why is that anyway? Like, why do you build something nice upon cursed ground, right? It just doesn't make sense. Something that's cursed and evil. Oh, yeah, let's build a nice temple over (laughs) it. It just doesn't make sense to me. So Mace and Jar Jar have to go down into the depths and see if they can find what's going on. It does kind of look almost Himalayan, I guess, in a way, like it looks like Tibetan prayer flags on the you know mountain walls outside of the cavern into which they go. And unfortunately, they get separated, Jar Jar and Mace do, and some crazy mask-wearing guy throws a bunch of blue powder at Jar Jar, and suddenly he starts disappearing before our very eyes, and apparently before his own, too. And the fear, of course, is that He's actually disintegrating, but no, it turns out that whatever this is turns him invisible, and it lasts for a little while until he's brought down into the depths of the Frangal cult's base within the heart of the mountain underneath that, you know, good Dagoyan temple. And Jar Jar is there, along with all the Dagoyan masters, and Queen Julia as well, from whom he finds out that they are stealing their Force powers and stealing their essences and using it to satiate the demon Malmoral. Uh it's... Just a tongue twister in my mouth every time I try to say it. Meanwhile, as luck would have it, Mace Windu had given Jar Jar a communicator because they had already spent so much time separate from each other because Jar Jar and Queen Julia were, you know, heaven only knows. And so Mace contacts Jar Jar and is able to track him down with the aid of the comlink to get him close enough and then screams from one poor soul whose essence gets stolen from him. And once Mace arrives, then there's all sorts of fighting, and most everything works out except for the fact that the leader of the Frangal cult is able to take Queen Julia and spirit her away onto a starship and fly off. Where he's flying off to, they don't know yet, but the epilogue of the show features Jar Jar talking to the Dagoyan masters and saying that, He's no, you know, he's no action hero or whatever, but he and his loyal helper, Master and Mace, will find Queen Julia and bring her back before the prophecy can come true. And as a sweet and silly little tag at the end, Mace Windu says, I don't know if it's just something about this place, but I'm beginning to understand you. And I assume that it's not just about understanding his interesting take on Galactic Basic. I think it has to do more with his character so that's part one of the disappeared and surprise surprise we'll talk about part two in tomorrow's episode but there is something fascinating additionally about this episode and part two that I found out by doing this particular episode prep and I'll tell you about that right after the break stay tuned Welcome back. So, the story for The Disappeared is credited to Jonathan Rinsler. That's the name that's in the end credits for this episode, and also presumably for The Disappeared Part 2. You may be familiar with him by a slight variation on his name, J.W. Rinsler. If that doesn't ring a bell, well here's what I can tell you. J.W. Rinsler is the author of a number of Star Wars reference books, including the seminal Making of Star Wars, Making of the Empire Strikes Back, and Making of Return of the Jedi books that came out in the early 2000s. And again, along with a bunch of other reference books too. So that was very much a surprise. I did not realize that He was also doing creative writing. Not to say that the nonfiction books don't involve creative writing, but you know what I mean, like inventing a story from scratch. There's a quote in Wikipedia from him where he talks about being put in charge of nonfiction back in the day. Also included, funnily enough, DK's books because he said he was informed at the time that they weren't really story-based, even though they are in his opinion. And they are. He's right. Like, he's not wrong about that at all. And for all the time that we've spent going over various DK books, yeah, it's absolutely the case. So anyway, certainly one type of creative writing, but writing an episode of The Clone Wars or two episodes of The Clone Wars, that's another order of magnitude altogether. And I did not know that he had done that as well. So there you go. And if you didn't know, well, then now you know. (laughs) And that is going to do it for our episode of the show today. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the galaxy you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.